Welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast, where we mix business, law of attraction, spirituality, and well-being with great guests and phenomenal stories. You'll hear hints, tips, and up-to-the-minute information on digital communication from an expert in her field. Pearl has some wonderful individuals in her networks, and she will be interviewing them all at some point in the future. Enjoy your listening. Now, well, hello and welcome to another Pearls of Wisdom podcast. And today it's another one of the International Women's Day special interviews where I'm speaking to strong, empowered women. And the wonderful, beautiful lady that I am speaking to today is the wonderful Annette Greenwood. Annette, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so super excited to be here. I hope it doesn't look so too much, but I am really excited and really grateful to be sat here with you to share um, and hopefully help other women, Pearl. Brilliant. See, this is this is this is why we've got so many special people on this interview series because you do you inspire everyone i listened to the live you did with joe duckfield and to all the listeners make sure you go across i think it's on the is it for the whole of you or was it the spiritual yes, gifted one? The, the whole, on the whole of you i believe yes yeah. so if you're not already following joe duckfield for the whole of you on facebook make sure that you do because she's got fantastic live streamed events that she's done and the one the interview she did with Annette was absolutely brilliant so I say definitely once you've listened to this interview to the podcast go across to Facebook and connect that way I'm now going to go back to Facebook as it all started from a simple post and I shared my message about how I loved International Women's Day and this is how this whole project started I'm going to now share with you Annette's profile because every one of these lovely ladies their profiles just stand out they're absolutely beautiful so for Annette Greenwood it says on a journey to live life have fun and learn on the way and that is absolutely beautiful it epitomizes all the wonderful work you do it really doesn't it it does and it kind of even now still resonates because we're still on a journey every day it's a journey isn't it and a journey of learning and growth and I do embrace that in the positive and the negative which we all get but I do feel it's important to to walk my own talk yeah oh, yeah that's right isn't it walk my own talk yes yeah. yeah, so it's really important to do that I think yeah for me I- And you do. You do most definitely. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into the question that I ask all the wonderful ladies in this series because it's International Women's Day. And I know anyone listening will say the 8th of March was International Women's Day. International Women's Day organisation, their theme runs the whole of the year. And I've got so many people interested in this. These interviews are going on into April and probably beyond. So, yes, we can still look back. But back to Annette, could you please share your career path to date? What is your career story? So any women listening, be it young girls at school, just looking at their options or women that want to pivot on their career, I'm hoping that we will share those pearls of wisdom with them and some of the messages you have will resonate with them. So would you share your story, please? I would love to share my story. And it actually might sound um, a little bit cliche and actually a surprise to some people to know that I worked in a factory. 
And I aspired to do something differently. And I didn't know what it was, Pearl. I didn't have the right mindset. I wasn't clear, but I knew it was to work with people. So this desire, and even at a very young age, this desire was always there, but I wasn't guided in the right direction to be able to, um, I guess, open the door to the talents and experiences that I would have as I was growing older um, growing up, I should say. So to anybody listening to this who feels that they're not being supported or they're not on the right path in life, there's so much out there now, isn't there, to help young people. And as a young woman, it just wasn't around then, you know, back in the days, they always say. And so I worked in this factory for many, many years, packing sugar, would you believe, and absolutely hating every minute of it. And it wasn't until I was made redundant that the the universe had decided that it was time for me to have that kick up the backside that I really needed to to, to go out into the world and do my thing. And I knew it was something to do with women, but I didn't know what. So I guess even at that time, I was getting insights from spirit, if you like, that this was a path I needed to take. But I didn't know how or where. And it wasn't until we um, we moved out of the area we lived in, which was a city, the city of York, and my husband had been headhunted with his job, and we moved over here, to, you know, into the Yorkshire Dales. That thing started to evolve. Um, I quickly got depressed because I'd moved out of the area, I'd been in all my life, and I was doing what lots of people do, and I was trying to go back to what I thought I was good at. So they working in a factory, um, and I shared this thing on um, the other day on a podcast about how I'd scrambled to find something that I thought was me, and I don't know why I did it, and I ended up going back into a factory again in this new area that we'd moved in. I absolutely hated it. It was just awful. <laughs> it was just awful. I was going home and crying. And and this kind of went on for a while. In the end, I just walked out. I said, I can't do this. I just felt I was getting worse. I was getting to the point where I was feeling suicidal. So I walked out of this job and uh, I was walking along the high street in um, in in this town where we were living. And there was a little notice on a window and it said they were looking for somebody to work in this delicatessen. So I walked into this delicatessen pearl and I said to the guy, oh, I see you're looking for somebody. And he said, um, yes, have you got any experience of customer service or, you know, working in a shop? I said, oh, not really. He said, OK, can you count from one to ten? I said, yeah, I can. He says, right, you're hired. <laughs> so, I was, so I was in, I was in this shop, Pearl. And um, I actually started to really love it because the, the organisations I'd worked for before, they tried to quiet me. So working in that in that factory environment, it was very male-dominated and I found even then I was kind of empowering other women and working in with that environment, standing up for what I believed in, even though I would get shot down many, many times. And I was actually finding my voice, working in that tiny little shop, finding my voice, and I was able to share it. And we had customers coming in. I'd spend ages chatting with them about all sorts of things going on in life. And then the foot and mouth hit. I don't know if you remember that, Pearl. Yeah. The foot and mouth hit. 
and it was a really bad time in this particular community, the farming community. And I was hearing some really horrendous stories about what was happening and people were coming into the shop and they were coming in to buy bread and delicatessen goods and they were spending a half an hour at a time. And I was just listening to them and trying to help them see that there might be something good come out of this, there might be a better way. And the owner of the, the shop would say, I don't know what it is you're doing. He said, but my sales have gone up dramatically. He said, you might be spending longer with people. He said, but my bread's flying off the shelves. He said, keep doing what you're doing. And he encouraged me. He didn't try to close me down like I'd had experiences of in the past. And I was starting to find my voice and I was starting to share that. And, you know, these synchronicities that we that we talk about, then I um, I knew, again, I just had this inner knowing all the time, there's something else I need to be doing. And when I'd, when I'd helped these people, when I helped them in, in whatever way it was I was doing, it was, it was a natural ability, I felt that I'd got, so I said, I've got something here that I need to share. And my husband was saying, you have something there. If you can just share that, a bottle that, it says you will really, really help other people. But I, I, I wanted to make sure I'd got all this life experience and all these challenges I'd been through, that I wanted to be able to do it in the right way. So I decided to do some coach training because I knew that it would help me yeah. in my own growth. So I was doing my coaching training and I, I also at the same time um, I was offered some work working in the third sector for a local charity they wanted something to set up projects in a, in the community for isolated people well I knew how that felt Pearl because I felt isolated and completely removed from everything I'd been you know moving from York into the Yorkshire Dales so I took this role on and again, I started to grow and grow and grow. And the, the projects that I were working on were becoming very successful. They were getting bigger and bigger. I was helping so many people, you know, right across the dales and things. And then um, somebody heard about my work and they'd said, you know, we've got a project that we're going to be starting in a women's prison would you be interested in in going to find out more about it? And I'm always open, you know, if even it doesn't work out for me, like right, I, I was like, would I ever? I'd love to go and see what this is about. And uh, so I went along to the prison, and um, I one of the things it taught me going in there, even just for this this initial kind of interview stage, was how judgmental we all are in our lives, and I probably was judgmental about what a prisoner looked like, even though I didn't really know. And again, I shared this the other day as well about how they'd asked, they asked me when I got to the prison, they said, right, you're here to see the governor about this new project that we're setting on. Can you go and wait in the library? And I sat in the library just waiting for a short while and this, this young woman walked in, impeccably dressed with librarian badge on. She was, she was just so, spoke very eloquently. And uh, she said, you know, you're here to see the governor. Would you like a coffee or this kind of thing? Then we just got chatting. And I'm a real bookworm for like for things like um, I've got lots of things on here about women's wisdom, women's bodies and anything to do with self-development and growth. We're chatting about all the books that they've got. And then she said, um, so oh, she, she looked at a watch and she said, it won't be long now. You'll be able to go and see the governor. And I said, uh, do you know I was so concerned I wasn't going to make it today. The roads were absolutely horrifically packed with traffic. So do you know what that, that main road's like? She said, oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm a prisoner. 
I've not been outside these gates for five years. I wouldn't know. And I thought, in that moment, Pearl, I thought, my God, how judgmental have I been about what a, what a prisoner looks like in a perception? Yeah. But from then, I, I sort of went on the interview. There was about 20, 20 people who were, who were, who were looking at and coaching. And some of those other coaches there were very judgmental and it just was the wrong place for them to be but the minute the minute I walked in I knew it was the right place yeah and I knew that I'd found my purpose and it was to do with helping women triumph over adversity and I just knew that in that second I don't know how whether it was from spirit or but I just knew I was in the right place and I spent two years working there and working with women who were at the end of their sentences, who'd been in prison for fraud, you know, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, um, bank robbery, murder, all sorts of things. Many of them, I would say probably 95%, yeah, 90%, genuinely taken a wrong path, got in with the wrong guy or the wrong woman, just made a big mistake in life. Others were definitely needed to be there. There's no two ways about it. They weren't They weren't innocent. But the stories they used to share with me, and when I say I, I used to feel quite emotional, Pearl, I did because it resonated so much with the things that had happened in my life. So my first marriage, for example, was a domestic violent relationship, which I had the courage to walk away from. They hadn't and they'd ended up in prison. And I used to feel quite emotional because I knew in my heart that I was doing something to help them. Yeah. And I felt that I was coming out of my head into my heart and working from the heart, obviously using my head as well. But I felt that's where my journey was going. Um, and it felt very liberating. So I spent the two years there and I absolutely loved it until the contract ended. And then the probation service heard about the work I'd done. And the next thing, I went on a contract working in the probation service out in the community. And there I was working with men and women who were on community payback, um, just come out of prison, all those kind of things, who were very much in places where they were very, very angry, very aggressive, very, you know, I hate the world kind of stuff. And I would work with them. And I can honestly say, hand on heart, never, ever in all that time that I worked in the community with any offenders or or people with offending behaviour did I ever have a problem. They always said, you meet me where I'm at and you get me and you do not judge me. And I'd, le- I'd learnt that quite quickly. So, I, again, I was on this contract for a, a number of years. And then I decided that, through my experiences I'd seen that people come out of prison and they go back in particularly women who for example may have children they whilst they're in prison they might lose the children because social services had had to get involved they lose the home and it was always a a more difficult situation for them than it was for men for some reason because the men would come out and they'd still have the partner where in some cases with the women it was such a, a shock to the partners they were you know the end of the relationship so I decided I was going to find some funding to set up a project for women out in the community and I got I got, I think, about £800, something like that, which was a massive amount of money to get this thing going. And I 
probably give my time most of it for free really um they paid me a, a, a salary but it was nothing like what you could get as coaching but I just felt it was it might not be a choice a lot of women would have made as coaches but it's a choice I made because I wanted to make a difference so I set this project up and I thought well it'll be a nice little project something nice in the community and it'll just you know keep things ticking over I can coach some of them and how wrong was I it grew and it grew and it grew until I ended up getting you know um like 35,000 pound in funding then it went up to 150,000 and all the while it was growing and growing and growing and I was um coaching the women out in the community I set up a women's group which was specifically for them to go to once a week we didn't have the funding to do it any more than once a week, but once a week where we would do things like arts and crafts, we would do things like um, working on themselves. We do community cooking together so they'd all get into the kitchen and they'd throw flour at each other and have a proper good old laugh, you know, things that they couldn't do if they were in relationships at home that were, you know, domestic violence and things like that. And this project just grew and grew and grew and grew. And... Um, I actually left the project a couple of years ago because I wanted to to focus more on my own work. But the it's still there and that's my legacy. It's, it's a scaled down version now because I've left and the coaching work isn't taking place. But the stories and the the feedback that I get, the cards that I've got, the thank you cards from women in prison, women in the community who are all still living into some cases, Pearl, very chaotic lives. Yeah. I just I just felt that I was making so much of a difference. And when I bumped into somebody, oh, probably last year, in the middle of the first lockdown, and I was walking, going out for a walk, and I recognised this face. And she came up to me and she said, you're Annette, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And I never used to remember the names, Pearl. I used to remember them by their offences. And I thought... This, this was a drug-related offence and I couldn't remember her name. And I said, I'm sorry, but yours was a drug-related offence. She went, yeah, it was, but I wanted to tell you. She said, I've turned my life round. She said, my children are back with me. I've now got a job. I think it was like um, Wilco's, a supermarket or something. She said, I've got a job there. I'm clean. I've got a driving licence. She said, I just wanted to say thank you for everything you did and believing in me when nobody else did. And even now I feel a bit tearful about that. Because I knew it was, wasn't about money, Pearl, was it? It was about what I could do to shape another woman's life, given the experiences and the discrimination and the judgment that I'd faced in my own. So that that project still goes, and I'm still at a distance with it because I'm, I'm still involved with the, with the girls themselves and, and things like that. But that, again opened another door for me to to write my own novel, which I did. I put that on Amazon myself because I'd been let down badly by a couple of agents who said they were going to um, do lots of things with it, including make it into a TV series. And it, it just didn't happen. So I thought, right, I'm going to get it on Amazon. If I've got it up there, I know I've done it. And I can come back to that later when I have more time to kind of work on that. But the work, again, still evolved and... I'm still, as you know, sort of coaching women and helping them um, look at their own lives and empower them to 
believe in themselves and take those steps that they need to take, those valuable steps with the right support to change their lives. Um, and look at, I like to think of it about choices, choices that empower them and choices that align with the person they've become. And let go of all that stuff. Let go of all that about everybody's what they've told you should be and the one a lady I was working with yesterday and she was in her 50s and she's oh god I should have done something 20 years ago I've had five children and now there's nothing and I said no that's not true please don't believe that we need to work on what you believe about yourself now and how you can change those beliefs to to really look at your life and what you want to do and and I'm getting wonderful sort of podcasts and things like with people like you Pearl and I just feel absolutely so grateful that I've come this far on my journey. And it isn't until I look back at those days of packing sugar on three shifts where I was nearly killing myself <laughs> because it's bloody hard graft. Sorry about the swear word, but it's damned hard graft to where I am now. And I think, well, God, if I can't inspire another woman on my journey, I don't know what can, if that makes sense. Yes. I've stopped for breath now. This <laughs> <laughs> is just... It's just wonderful. And you've mentioned my favourite S word, synchronicities. I will use that all the time. And the things you've, you've said, even the start of your story, I can resonate with. Because I had a career break of 10 years. But in that 10 years, I didn't do nothing. I brought up the children. I did my degree as a mature student. I set up my first business. And I got divorced from the worst man on the planet. But that's going to that's going to be a story and a book that I will cover in the future. That's not for now. But when one of the roles I did, because I set up my own business, did that whilst I was doing my degree. And then it got to the stage. Sometimes when you work for yourself, it's hard graft. It's very hard graft. And I thought, no, for the kids stability, I need to go out and I need to earn for every hour I work. I need to earn an hour's pay. And the agencies I went to, my mum had been a PA all her life. So she introduced me to recruitment agencies that worked in admin. And so they said, oh, yes, you've worked. You've run your own business. You can go into admin. Not the best fit, but I did it. And when you said about working in a factory, when my children were quite young, at the beginning of the separation and when the divorce was going through, I worked for DHL in the um, logistics thing and they had a contract with Vodafone and because of where I live in the Midlands very close loads and loads of industry so mm. I was supposed to be the admin person for DHL I hated it I couldn't go in suited and booted because it was uh, even though I was supposedly admin and they wanted this secretarial look I had to go in with steel toe caps and trousers and just everything and I'm five foot two normally I'm I've been a lot slimmer Covid has, has sort of meant I've put a bit of weight on it's coming off again but at the time I was tiny and I've only got size three feet so oh, trying wow. to find trying to find um sort of steel toe caps and everything to fit me and all these people say when I went into the canteen to have my break they'd all go she's here again it's that one with the very tiny feet <laughs> And I, and like you say, male dominate. It was. I used to cry when I went home. Like you, yes, when I was doing the admin, I got the chance to do Saturday overtime. Mm. 
So I went in to do overtime thinking I'm going to do admin. Oh no, they had me there with a mobile phone and you had to test that it worked. So you had to put a SIM card in a mobile phone, take it out, ring it, take it out, do it again. And I did that for six hours on a Saturday. And when I left, I got picked up and I sat in the car and I cried my eyes out because mm. I thought I've run my own company and I know that it's probably ego, but you you think I can do, I can do more, I can do, but you do what you have to, you do what you need to when you're keeping everything afloat. Yeah. But you can see how it resonated when you said that. It's, it's memories like that I, I sort of put to the back of my mind. Are you saying that? thought synchronicities yes I know exactly exactly how you feel because I used to sit there and dream about what my next company would be like but all, all the men there were interested in is that I look good in my little trousers and my tiny feet and it was horrible <laughs> it, it, yeah and that experience it shapes your pill doesn't it as well yeah. and that yes. um that being in a male-dominated environment isn't the best thing, as we both know. And you have to always, always, I've found, be fighting for what what you wanted to do. So on you're saying about a Saturday going on overtime, Monday to Friday, we packed the sugar in the machines. And on a Saturday, lo and behold, all the men used to come in and clean the machines on overtime on time and a half. And I thought, this just doesn't seem, doesn't seem right. It doesn't. So I stood up and I said something, um, and the union were involved. And I bet, I bet they absolutely hated me because every time something like that happened, I thought there's injustice here, and that injustice just fires me up. And I cannot abide injustice where people are being bullied or talked down to. And you know that thing about the ego where you said, I, I run my own company. I used to think, and you know, when I went into this pot pie factory that I hated, I thought, I've got more potential than this. I know I have. I just don't know where to go and how it's going to happen. Yeah. But somehow I just kept trusting that I would find a way. But you've also, the synchronicities are there, but you've also got to take the action, haven't you, as well? It doesn't always, you know, fall into your lap. But those, that, yeah, that thing about potential, even now, I feel, I bet you do as well in a way, there's something untapped in here, still untapped that I still need to bring out and I need to share. And sometimes it's scary, sometimes it's exciting, and sometimes it's the both together. But yeah. if I don't if I do not do it, I don't want to look back on my life and wish wished I had. Does that make sense? Oh, it does, most definitely. And I can resonate with everything you're saying. And I know we talked before we actually went live today and I know what the vision is, what spirit want me to do. And that's to speak for the unspoken, to give those that don't have a voice a voice. But I'm saying I know now, but I think I've known it all my life because I've always been one to stand up for the underdog. Even if it means that I get a good kick in, if I see someone being bullied, I will step in and I will stop it. And my son used to say to me, he used to say, Mum, you're the cleverest person I know, but sometimes you make out like you're stupid, that you make a joke. Because often, if I'm in an environment that is all quiet and no one knows what to say, I'll say something silly and make them laugh. Because it, it breaks it breaks that silence 
and I've I've stood up and I've thought, yeah, I'm going to make a real idiot of myself, but everyone's attention will come to me and whatever anyone says afterwards, it won't matter because I've broken the ice. But my son couldn't see it like that. He said, Mum, you're not showing how clever you are. People will think you're silly. And I said, I don't care. I know who I am inside. But if I've helped someone that was too scared to speak in an environment where they were shy and they thought, oh, well, she's done something. No one's going to look as bad as that. So they so they join in a conversation. That's all I aim to do. <laughs> and doesn't that come from such a place of authenticity as well? Yeah. Putting yourself out there in, in, in a bit like the firing line, and that's totally okay. You're okay with that. You don't mind that at all. And when you talk about um, what spirit wants you to do, I've probably always known that, even as a, a very, very small person, little tiny person, um, and I'm not much bigger than you, I'm about five foot four. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, whenever I was talking to people, it'd be always about, they've got a problem. How can we solve that? But I didn't know that. I didn't know what I was actually doing was actually coaching and guiding people. But then when I look back in, in, the, in the jobs that I've had, there's always been an element of wanting to, wanting to see somebody do get better and do better in their own life if it was what they wanted to do and this thing about um finding my own voice in terms of what spirit want me to do and I can see now that going down the path I have done sharing that and helping other women empower themselves to find their own voice through something like this is where I'm meant to be going yeah, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to do that 10 years ago. It, That's gross. It is. And once you do that, when you do, I know this is a corporate term, but if you do step up, step out of that box. And I, I describe it as something that makes you squirm, gives you butterflies in your tummy because you're scared, but mm. you push yourself to do it. The growth you see from that and the movement you have the other side is off the charts it's actually being brave enough to take that first step take that action that doesn't feel comfortable that does make you squirm but when you do it it the rewards are fantastic and the more you do it the easier it becomes I, I totally get that and the and the the joy I get from doing this kind of thing now um I just feel completely relaxed and at ease with you it just feels so natural um, and, you know, you're talking about the, the squirm and I talk about the why, um, you know, what is my why for doing this? Um, and I, I use it as the why that makes me cry. And um, I think I'd shared this with Joe as well um, a week or so ago, but uh, just at, coming up Christmas, just gone, we were, we were coming up to approaching another lockdown, weren't we? But we weren't quite in it. And a client that I've been working with, I've worked with her for two years, and it sounds like, oh, God, you have to have coaching for two years, but it was a very difficult relationship. Um, and she won't mind me sharing this bit because I'm not sharing anything about her. She'd um, been in a relationship for 25 years, and then her husband got up one day and said, oh, that's it, it's over. He got somebody else. She didn't know that at the time, but when she came to me, she was absolutely in bits and she was going to, she got two children and it was a very successful business that he built up with her support, may I add. He was going to walk away and just let him have everything and do nothing. And I went, not on my watch, no way on my watch are you going to do that? And the amount of times where she was going to give up and give in and each time I got her through it. And anyway, I was in the shower 
my birthday's in December. I'm a December baby, Pearl. And I got out the shower and my husband was saying, oh, she's in the shower, so-and-so. And I went downstairs and there was this great big bag. Now I'm a gluten-free person, unfortunately, um, for me, because there's lots of nice cakes out there that I can't have. <laughs> but she'd made me this whole bag of goodies, Pearl. There was scones in it. There was little bits of fruit. There was flapjack. And then there was this beautiful card that she'd written and it said... Um, I just wanted to say this is just a small token of my appreciation about how I would never have done this if it hadn't been for you. I would have stayed where I was. I would have let him walk all over me. And because of you, today I finalised my divorce and I've got the um, the payout that I deserve for those 25 years of supporting him. Now, I started to cry. Yes. And my husband said, are you all right? I said, that's why I do this. It was a lot of those love moments. I said, that's why I do this, because it's the why that makes me cry. Yeah. And that that reminds me of why I'm doing this and why I'm on this path. Yep. And I think, I mean, to anyone listening, and I'm saying this for all of the episodes I'm recording, if you're listening to this now and it's touched you because this is such a fantastic story that Annette has, please share it with others. Tell them because they might not have found this podcast yet and share this episode. Share it maybe with young women in your life that you want to show that we can empower them. And it's knowing that and to anyone listening when we say yes international women's day and yes it should be standing up for everyone but this particular series is is concentrating on women and when we pull together when we have a dream when we have a why we can achieve anything Mm. absolutely anything and it's if if we can if anything we're saying is resonating with people because i've known all my life that I could do anything. I've Mm. always been a high achiever, that I will push and push and push. But that's just the way I'm built. And it's seen, if we can empower others to think like us, and where you said about coaching, I truly believe that I think you need a coach in all areas of your life. So you might need four or five different coaches because most people specialise in a certain area. And for you to bring the best out in you and to be the best you you can be, you need help from others. But, sorry. No, sorry. There was something coming to me as you were talking. You were carrying what you were saying, Pearl. Sorry. What I was, there's one caveat I'd say with that. I'd say make sure you research the coaches you work with because they are phenomenal coaches like Annette. Then we have some people that have had trauma and because they've gone through it, they have set themselves up as a coach and they have not fixed the trauma they are in. And then if they work with you, you will not get the best work possible. I'm not trying to downgrade coaches. I'm just trying to say, look, research the people you're working with Go by personality, the person that resonates with you, because you know you're going to get growth and you're going to work with that. But please, please be very careful because coaching has grown, especially in lockdown, because people have seen all this and people are setting themselves up with the title coach. And I'm sorry, they haven't got the experience. They don't have the knowledge and they have a lot of trauma that they are carrying and they can imprint it on you. That's all I need. I don't know if you agree in any of that. 
A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And there's two things there that um, if I've still got the time to share yeah, this. Definitely, definitely. The first thing is I totally agree with everything you're saying and it completely winds me up when I hear about people who've done a weekend course and then they set themselves up as a, a mindfulness coach or something on a Monday and they've still got trauma that they've not deal with. So I hundred percent agree with that. And I always, always offer up to an hour or more with somebody as a first initial sort of consultation, if you want to call it that, so they can talk through with me and I can share with them a, a little bit about me and where I can help them so they can feel whether they resonate. And I just do that willingly because I know if that person is thinking that I'm going to do the work for them and it's going to be all hunky-dory, I need to set them straight. Yeah. Secondly, they can see how I work and that I'm a direct person and I will help them but um, I'm doing it in a place of integrity. The other thing is, you know, I was saying before about, um, I said I was depressed and all the rest of it, and I was in a really bad place, you know, suicidal. But, um, and I shared this with you on a little bit of information I sent yesterday. I I tried things like counselling and um, antidepressants and that kind of thing, and for me, it just didn't work. It just it just wasn't where I needed to go. I wanted to do something else. And I knew inside of me I needed some kind of inner discipline, but I didn't again know how. And there was a synchronicity again in a newspaper article in the Times it was. This is in 1999, Pearl. I don't even say the year, 1999. And it was called Train Your Mind to Fight Depression. And I thought, that is it. That is yeah. what I need. And this guy is a British doctor, and he himself um, had trained in Zen Buddhism. Now, it's not about, you know, wearing an orange robe and having my hair cut and all that kind of thing. It's very much about living those, those disciplines. And that was the thing that helped me to learn to live with my emotions, learn to accept them, not let them overtake me, not control how I behave. And, you know, it's easy, isn't it, particularly in lockdown, to just, just chuck your stuff out there on, on everybody, on social media. And I absolutely despise that kind of thing because it's so disempowering for people who are reading it and for the person. So I have still worked with him for 20 years. So I can say wholeheartedly, 20 years on how I've grown but I still still work with him to this day yes. to make sure I'm on track and where I'm supposed to be and if there are any young women who do listen to this no matter what your age is please don't give up please seek out as Pearl said the right people to help you and choose very wisely very wisely the people you put your heart in their hands with is what I would say yeah, definitely. With your mind. Definitely. And this person that resonates with you could well be the wonderful Annette because of the synchronicities and the message that she has. And anyone listening, you will say, I mean, we're not bringing this to a close yet. I'm just putting this in. The information will be put on the podcast. But if you're one of these eager people that have already got that you um, subscribe to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. I always get these podcasts out the same day as 
the interview happens and I put a little proviso details to come because then I know that I make all the right links but make sure if you're listening when it first goes up and you can't see anything but details to follow please come back because it might be it might be into next month when I add all the details but I'm interviewing 15 people a week at the minute so there's a lot of things to go up but definitely definitely if you if Annette is resonating with you the way she's resonating with me, and I hope she will with every listener, you are going to want to work with her. So you want to be able to have those details and reach out. Most definitely. Oh, thank you, Pearl. Thank you. It's, just, it's a great honour and pleasure to be able to share this. And I never thought I'd be, I never expected to be sat in this position now on a Pearls of Wisdom, you know, business, well-being and spirituality podcast. I just was kind of wanting to get my message out into the world that, and this is a way of doing it, isn't it, if you like, yeah. about how you can triumph over adversity. And that, you know, I talk about, you know, the book, if I'm able to just share that. That from a selling point of view, but the the story in that book is about a woman who goes to prison wrongly accused, and she um, she has come from a, a, a mother was in a domestic violent relationship, and the only way that she knows how to make some money to help her mother is to turn to prostitution. You don't need qualifications. She thinks you don't need to be really intelligent. But I can I can do that. I've got a really good body that oozes sex appeal, and that's what I'm going to do. And that was her kind of way of trying to help the situation. And as her journey progresses, you know, she she starts to, um, and I I don't know what it's like to be in their shows, but I only know from the women I've worked with um, and and sort of discussions I've had that they close their heart up, they close it up and freeze it off to be able to carry out the act they're performing on the men or the women who come to them as as um, customers so the idea of calling the book imprisoned heart is because her heart and her mind were definitely closed off they were closed up and absolutely trapped and she 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 gets involved with a guy who really he lets her down he treats her badly he's, he's another domestic violent relationship and it's through him though that she he sets her up. He's a drug dealer and he sets her up at the airport when he's taking her on holiday to Ibiza and he comes back and he's got the drugs in her bag. So when they get pulled at the airport, it's her who takes the fall, which was a typical example of how it was for some of those women in prison. And she goes to prison and her journey for that 12-month period begins in there because she's all the time, she's fighting, she's fighting the system, she's fighting herself, she's fighting her inner demons and doesn't see a way out of it until, and I sort of put myself in the position of the next character in the book who comes in and helps her through her journey inside the prison and, and through that, you can see she's kind of coming to terms with the demons, coming to terms with who she is, learning how to accept herself just as the woman she is, not blame herself. And that just the journey evolves all the time, Pearl. And the, um, the kind of, again, the, the ethos of it, again, is about triumph over adversity. And it always comes to me that no matter what I'm doing or talking about, it is about women triumphing over adversity whatever that adversity is and for her it was being trapped in her own mind as a prostitute 
And I won't say what happens because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who did buy it. But, you know, it, it is about when, when I was depressed and suicidal, my heart was closed. There was no way I could have helped anybody with a closed heart. It wasn't until that journey with Dr. Sherlock, and it's not Sherlock Holmes, but Dr. Sherlock, with that journey of coming from the head into the heart and working on my emotions, did I feel in a place where I could work from a place of integrity and honesty with other women? Because if I've just done a weekend course on mindfulness, how the hell am I going to help somebody else through all that when I've not done it myself? And I think, I mean, my my relationship in my marriage, I had the stronger personality and my husband didn't like that. So he used to play mental mind games with me to push me down. And I suffered from postnatal depression because of that. And yet when I let everything go, I mean, I'd wanted to separate from him for years, but I wasn't brave enough. I remember we went to marriage counselling. And we both went in separate places and I had a male counsellor and I sat there and I said to him, I'm not happy in this relationship. I want to leave. And he sat forward and he put his hand on my knee and he said, no, dear, you wouldn't ever cope on your own. He said, you will never mention that again. Well, now I'm on my own. I have been single for almost three years. I'm not saying I'm going to stay single, but I'm single at the minute because I'm learning what Pearl wants. I can do what I want. and But for someone to say that in a place of authority, and when my husband, he, he chose to leave, he committed adultery, he chose to leave, and it was the best thing for me because it meant all the times I kept thinking I wanted to be on my own and I wasn't brave enough, the fact that he went, it was sheer bliss, actually. <laughs> And the right thing for you, you know, the universe again there stepping in, wasn't it? And he leaving, it might have been to start with quite a traumatic experience for you because you might have been thinking, oh, God, now what? But actually, you've thrived. Yeah. You? You've yeah. thrived and, and grown as a result of that and stepped into your own power and all those wonderful things that, we want other women to do. And you know, you said they're about a figure of authority. I was working with a fairly young woman a few years ago and I wanted some advice because I wasn't best placed to talk to her about the legal side of things. And I thought, all right, right, we'll find a solicitor. I thought, we'll go for a woman solicitor. And I rang this solicitor and I said, I'd just like a bit of advice. I know they do these 30-minute things. And I said, I've got a client that I'm working with um, and her husband, he's the one who has all the money. He's a you know problem drinker. You know, she's looking to, to step out on her own um, and all the rest of it. And so the solicitor said, so does he pay all the bills and things? I said, yeah, 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 he pays the mortgage, he's paying the bills. Um, does she have an income of her own? I said, well, yeah, small income. She said, well, why don't she just suck it up and stay with him while he's paying everything? And I thought, my God, and this is from a female solicitor? Yeah. What a shocker, Pearl. What a shocker. Yeah. And this is, and it's almost to people listening, if it doesn't feel right to you, if someone in authority says something that you're not sure about, 
ask someone else mm. ask trusted friends and they can help you go to someone else that is going to resonate like we go back to where we said about coaching there's good and bad coaches yes. you sometimes you need to try and sometimes the first fit isn't the best fit and you need to move on from that and don't feel because you've made that decision you have to stay with them through my divorce i had four separate divorce lawyers the first one made such a mess when we went into court and I came out and I said you didn't listen to a word I said you won't thank you and five five solicitors that were in the waiting room gave me their card afterwards (laughs) but it's just seeing and don't be afraid to question all right, if there's someone in authority and you feel that they know more than you, if your gut, if your intuition, if the universe is showing you something that doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And it's almost, this is what I'm being drawn to say now. For young women, if you're ever walking alone and it's dark and you get those tingles up and down your back, that is happening for a reason. You shouldn't be there and you take action. This is just literally, I'm being guided to say that this is where intuition works. So many young women, my daughter included, when she was at university, would come home and get the latest train and she'd walk from the train station at half 12 because she wouldn't tell me the time her train was coming in. And I used to say to her, are you aware? Oh, mum, nothing will happen to me. But I'm sorry, it could. And if those intuition tingles start, learn to recognise them at an early age. (laughs) I 100% agree with that. And, you know, and I bet, well, I'm hoping I'm not the only one to say this. When I haven't listened to my intuition, those are when I made the biggest mistakes in my life. Because I didn't listen. And I've heard so many other women say that as well. And so learning to use that intuition, it's it's there for a reason, isn't it? And it's not about putting yourself out into the world. It's a dangerous place. You don't have to be frightened of doing everything in your life because you wouldn't do anything. But as Pearl said, if you're getting those gut feelings in a relationship, in a job, in a professional, whether it's a doctor or a specialist, I always say to people I work with, and including me, if what I'm saying doesn't feel right, you tell me. Yeah. And just and that's totally fine. I'm okay with that. If you don't feel comfortable in a relationship, no matter what, you need to walk the other way. That's your intuition telling you. And just listen to it, learn from it, and grow from it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much. I mean, I know, again, I asked you before, we started the interview, but I'm going to ask all the listeners now, I would love you to come back as a regular guest. Annette. There are so many topics we could cover and go into more detail. So I will ask you now if you will come back and be a regular guest. My God, look at that smile. 100%. <laughs> 100%. I would love to come back. Really, I would thank you so much and to the listeners see if you don't already subscribe to the podcast this is a reason to subscribe because then you know and you get those little alerts when a new episode is added so you know you can come and listen and everything from that it's it's i know we've deviated slightly but i think it was meant to i think all the subjects and topics that we've covered that was divinely led i know that was the universe that was spirit saying right this is the area and the synchronicities there are so many so many that we could cover and i've seen the time and i know we've gone slightly over so i i mean look 
I've not even looked at what time it is. It's just gone 12 now. We're on about, so we, we've it, we've been going for a while. Have you got time for a bit longer or do you need to rush on? Oh, yeah, sure I have. If you have 100%. Yes, yes in that right. In that case, I'm going to continue with the interview some more because it is, it's something else we were saying about those intuitions and knowing and to be safe. I can remember it would be in the 80s. See, this is going to age me. But I was probably <laughs> late teens in the 80s. And I don't know if women can, of the similar age to me can remember when ski pants were really popular. And I used to have some lovely ski pants and I'd lost loads of weight. And I used to listen to my heavy rock music, I'm afraid, Bon Jovi, all the way for me. And I was listening to one of that on Walkman. This is before all the iPods and the everything. And I got attacked going down an alleyway. I got off the bus and because I was listening to music... And because I I wasn't dressed provocatively at all, I just had a nice figure and this man thought that gave him the right to attack me, walking from the bus stop, which was five minutes away from my home and I had to go through an alleyway. And it's things like that you have to be aware of and you don't realise it's not your fault that these things happen, but you have to be aware you have to keep yourself safe. So now, yes, I might go out and I might listen to a meditation or something when I go out walking, but I always make sure the volume's low enough that I can hear, but I can hear anything that's coming up behind me as well. And it's something it's something almost to be aware of. It's about safety, Pearl, isn't it? And um, that thing you said there, I wasn't wearing anything provocative. So why shouldn't you have been? It's okay for you to wear something that's, and I had this conversation again with my husband the other day. If you're wearing a low cut top, that shows your cleavage off, or you're wearing a short skirt or ski pants, that's totally fine. You see a lot of men out there who are wearing muscle t-shirts and trousers that, quite frankly, must be strangling their bits because they are so tight to flash everything off. You can't tell me what they're not doing is trying to, you know, give off a little bit of aura to the opposite sex because they are. But that thing about keeping yourself safe and um, sort of going way back in the day, I think I was only about 16, I was walking home from work. And similarly to you, there was an alleyway that I used to cut through. And I'd been walking through this alleyway for a long time. And I'd seen this guy every night. He'd been stood at the end of the alleyway and he'd sort of disappeared off up the road before I'd walked through it. This particular night, and this is a blooming lesson in my intuition, I was going over the crossing and I saw him stood at the alleyway end and he disappeared into the alley. And what did I do? Go down the blooming alley. And he was down the alley and he was masturbating. Stood there masturbating and he was making all sorts of noises. Well, I just screamed and I ran and I called the police. And then it did go to court. And what was said at court was, well, he's got mental health problems. This was what was said at court. But then when they look back, he'd been doing it on a frequent basis. So despite the fact that he had mental health problems, it wasn't okay for him to be doing that and threatening and frightening women all the time. At 16, you're quite vulnerable, aren't you, anyway, Pearl? But to be doing that and keep getting away with it, the, the system was all wrong then. I mean, now they'll probably get more help and support. But... That, again, my intuition and about shouldn't have gone through that alleyway. 
and a massive lesson for me. But one of the things um, I learned when I was doing a lot of work in the probation service with people, I used to work with the police quite a lot with women in domestic violence. And they would talk about things like um, if you're a woman and you're in, let's say, Costa Coffee and you're on your phone and you're logging on to that, make sure there's nobody watching you. And I was like, what do you mean? Do you mean make sure there's nobody watching you? Make sure there's nobody watching because there's somebody over there could be tapping into your phone and logging who you are and where you are. So be very careful about logging on to things in Costa. She said, now, I don't want people to be frightened by that. And, you know, gosh, I should never do it. But just be aware that it's so easy to tap into your information. You know, and they're, all this kind of work they're doing, all this undercover stuff to help women, keep women safe. It's not about frightening you. It is about creating awareness. So you are able to live your life and you should be able to walk around in freedom. But unfortunately, there is a small minority of people who will take advantage of that. And it's about making putting yourself in the right place, isn't it, Pearl, I would think? Yeah. I mean, definitely. You saying that, that touches on what I do in my corporate role. I've worked with central government, the whole of central government and their cybersecurity, because, yes, I specialise on digital communications and social media, but I also know how to keep yourself safe because it's, it's knowing, it's understanding that and knowing that there are times and places that you don't geotag, that you don't share and also with social media, something that is my pet hate, and I will say it on almost every one of my interviews, what people show on social media is not always true. Very often it is not. So you've got my stern voice then, because it really, it really drives me mad. I say these people that cannot have a meal that without taking a photograph of it first, and they share it about how wonderful their life is. They don't show you the three or four attempts that have gone in the bin beforehand. They don't show on their face that they were crying their eyes out because they've had a row with their partner or they're not happy. They give this false pretense that everything looks wonderful because that's what they expect from social media. That is not what social media is for. It is there for loads of different reasons to be there and be able to listen to someone else, to actually connect the way you and I have in it, to actually know that you meet the right people. You can amplify a message. It is not for talking complete and utter rubbish. I almost said another word. So put whichever word you think there, but it is not for that. And we've got two generations now that have grown up using social media but thinks it's safe and i'm sorry if you use it for personal use you do not understand fully how to use it you don't know how to keep yourself safe and on a business perspective like so many people we go back to anyone that's set up in on their own over this lockdown people will think because they've used a social media in a personal way they know how, how to use it for business no it is completely different and it's understanding that so i will now get off my st- soapbox but it, <laughs> is <something, laughs> it is something i you think you know, <laughs> the instagram thing's a good example isn't it it's where you see um so many women who are on there with various things that have been done to various parts of the body and putting out this message to young girls that it's not okay to have wobbly boobs or everything down in the nether regions has got to be a perfect shape. I'm like, 
where does this stuff come from? It really winds me up because it gives them this false idea that they've got to be perfect and they've got to have a body that's perfect and their bits down there have to look a, a special way because they're trying to, you know, encourage a guy into their lives. And it's just, just, just goes, goes against everything I believe in for women, really. And it's yeah. so disempowering as well, isn't it? And for God's sake, where do you go with this? How many operations do you have? How many false things do you have before you actually accept yourself for the person that you are? Now, I might get vilified for saying that, but I don't mind saying that because I don't. I just don't agree with it. It's wrong, wrong. I completely, completely agree. And if you feel that you have to have something done to yourself to change, mm. this is where I say listen to what Annette has been saying all the way through this episode find your why don't be driven by what someone else is wanting i mean i go back to my ex-husband i used to have a full life-size cut out of pamela anderson from barbed wire that was in my bedroom and i was told i had to look like that all the time now she's plastic most of pamela anderson is plastic but that's what i was told day in and day out that I needed to look like and I'm sorry no it's not like that you stick to your own beliefs and you find your why as Annette says if you're working from your why you do not need to change the outside you might have to do work on the inside but you do not need to physically change the outside I hope again we we resonate so much, don't we? And one of the things that I say to people is about is empowering yourself from the inside out, yes. inside out, and that is that is it for me. That empowerment comes from inside. And all right, we do like to look nice. I mean, you look beautiful. You've got beautiful jewelry on. Your hair's done lovely. We want to look nice, but we want to do it in a way that feels right and not false and not spend three hours. You might have spent three hours on your beautiful plot, but, you know, spent three hours just presenting yourself. It's about the real person. It's the same with uh, some presenters, isn't it? You know, whether it be TV, radio, it's all about the look, not about the authenticity of that person and the genuine message that they're giving and sharing. And they influence in so many ways, so many ways. Yeah, and this is this is media. And once you get into digital the technology side i mean i'm sure everyone's heard of photoshop these things with magazines where you have models that look perfect and now we're starting to see people are sharing the before image and after it's been photoshopped they've probably lost two stone simply because someone's done some magic with a bit of software and this is, again, is going back to that social media thing. What people share when they do their selfies. How many apps are there that make your skin glow more, that you can change the eye colour, you can do all these, you can change the colour of your hair, you can change the design of your hair. That isn't real. It's being authentic. It's knowing that authentic person and that you resonate from there, that it comes from the heart. It doesn't have... Once... Once you go to a false identity, everything about what you're sharing is false. 
if you're not authentic, people will realise. And try as you might, you might start to grow very quickly. But believe you me, you will fall from a great height very quickly. Because if you're not authentic and it isn't done with love and from the heart, the people that you resonate to or resonate to you will be as false as you're being at that time. I agree with that. And that um, I've seen, and probably you have as well, Pearl, we were talking about coaching earlier. I've seen coaches fall from grace quite quickly um, and they've grown, they've grown a massive audience and all this kind of stuff. And then you never hear from them again. And I take pride in the fact I've been around 20 years. So that maybe I've been slow and steady wins the race kind of thing, but I know that I've grown into my true passion and purpose and I'm coming from that right place which is so so important I think when you're working with other people and other people's hearts and minds and you know the stuff about the um photoshop and everything when I see these adverts in magazines or on the tv where they've got a woman who's 25 advertising wrinkle-free cream for somebody over 50 and 60 it just makes me absolutely howl because I mean, what is that how many people look like that at 60 it's rubbish absolute rubbish it is and when we see all these um stars celebrities that are now doing the home hair color and everything and they're showing that that well i know for a fact that some of those on there didn't do that because when I was working in Westminster, I used to go to the same Kensington hair colourist as they had. And I used to take great delight in telling people that my hairdresser also did so and so and so and so's hair. And now they're saying, oh, I've been doing this for years. And I sat there this morning and saw that advert and I thought, no, you haven't. You were at the same place as I was. <laughs> <laughs> Got you out there, Pearl. <laughs> Just so not true, isn't it? Just so not true. And people believe it. They people do. believe it. And that's the sad thing. Yeah. And it's, it's it's that resonating, like we said, be authentic. And then as your vibration rises, you find that the people that gyrate to you are of the same vibration as you and you are meeting other authentic people. We mm. were talking before we went live about this whole project for International Women's Day. And yes, from one simple post on Facebook, it's become a whole project, a movement that is going to grow and morph and won't just be for International Women's Day. It will be for strong, empowered women to come together to collaborate and share their voice. And that's because I, I shared my authentic message. I didn't pretend or anything. I haven't said, oh, yeah, I've got 5,000 people behind me. I've got this and that. I've just said, this is me. This is what I want to do. Does it resonate? And all the people that it's meant to, that I'm here to serve, they've all listened to that cry and they've said, yes, it resonates. I want to be part of it. And that's how authenticity, being true to yourself, being true to your why, this is how growth happens. A hundred percent. And you know, something comes to me, you know, we were talking about spirit before and how things come. So what's just come to me now is about whether there's a possibility in the future of doing something that involves younger women as, as women of um, empowered and experienced who can guide them and support them. So there's something there. I don't know what it is, Pearl, but that, that's just the message I've been given to share, to put out there. 
well, the universe or wherever. But there's something there about how we can shape, help to shape the future of, of younger women. And this is where, I mean, you've actually articulated something that I've said a few times before, and it's lovely because I one of the things I say when I introduce myself is that I'm a mentor and I will mentor young young women. And that's how I got into International Women's Day. I spoke at a secondary school, was supposed to be for the sixth form and share my story, a woman that dominates in a male, that excels in a male dominated area. And when I got to the school, not only was I speaking to all the sixth form girls, I was speaking to the whole school's girls. I had 300 girls in that assembly hall and I shared my story and I went on to mentor some of them and I mentor girls now. And I think that's something that the the women I'm bringing together, that's something I think a lot of people would want to do as well because don't think of it as coaching that it's a paid service when people mentor they do it from the heart mentoring yeah. is free and if anyone tries to charge for mentoring i'd say go elsewhere because mentoring is free and i'd love to do that and if you'd want to, if you'd like to join me in it because definitely it feels that it yeah. resonates that's something that we can maybe start to share as well through the women that have come into the group and see who else wants to mentor young girls because this could be a global movement where we're there to help. And, I mean, we've got Zoom, we've got loads of different ways that we can communicate and be there. We can mentor as a group or we can mentor one-to-one. What do you say to that, Annette? I say, my God, Pearl, darn it, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, 100%, again, because that thing about, as we were talking earlier, when I was a young woman, I didn't have that guidance. I didn't have that. Maybe if I'd had that, I would be in a different place now. But again, these things happen for a reason, don't they? And the idea of whichever country this person may be in, a young woman who's there with aspirations and dreams and they don't feel fulfilled or they can fulfill them because of the background or the the way they're held back, that'd be just so amazing to be able to help them take a step into the seat. So there, now I'm feeling emotional. So that's my why again coming out about seeing that young woman move forward and make something of her life. And, you know, with somebody like you, supporting them with that, you know, being in a male-dominated role and, and excelling in it, that's just something fabulous. It's got It's absolutely amazing, I think. Darn it, yes, Pearl, darn it, yes. So anyone listening to this, watch out for messages because I will probably start messaging. I'll put it out in the group tomorrow, Annette. And ask anyone else who wants to mentor, because mm-hmm. I think this this is coming from a place of love. It's truly authentic and it gives us a chance to empower women, young girls to know is that to help them to form their career. And that's something you can do at any age. You can look for a mentor. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> my gosh <laughs> we've we really gone for it pearl haven't we oh, well we had one before we actually started to record you said you said today was special that you needed to be on this interview today and how many pearls of wisdom have we shared today my, oh, hundreds it just feels like <laughs> we've never stopped for breath have we we've just 
continued and there's nothing I've got nothing written down I've got no agenda and he's just genuinely flowed out as we've been talking I didn't even know what we we're going to discuss and it's just flowed hasn't it and that's that that shows me it's the right thing exactly and this is this is spirit this is the universe guiding I mean quite often I will say it's my it's my guides and their channeling and I think what I've just said Yes, because I can feel my back is going, which means my guides are agreeing with me that that last piece was definitely channeled, that I'm I'm doing what they want and this is how they've guided. So with that, I am going to draw this, this <laughs> interview for a close, but everyone knows, everyone knows that we are going to come back together. I mean, I so resonate with you in it. I could, I could talk to you all day. I could probably, I probably get dark and I'd have to put more lights on. I'd sit in, <laughs> I'd sit here with my dressing gown on and we'd carry on chatting because I could, I could talk to you all day. But I will draw this interview for, to a close. Take it back to International Women's Day, which is the whole um, topic of this series of interviews. And if anyone that follows International Women's Day, you will know that the organisation has a set theme every year. And this year they have chosen Choose to Challenge. So I'm asking all of my guests this. So, Annette, what does Choose to Challenge mean to you, please? So Choose to Challenge means for me is that I'm choosing to challenge any beliefs that I've had about whether I was good enough, whether I could do this, whether I could succeed as a woman um, with all the challenges that I've had. So I've chosen to challenge that belief that, yes, I can. Yeah. And with the right help and support, I can do this and I can make a difference with so many wonderful women like you to others' lives. So that's my choosing to challenge. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. It really is. And I hope that that's resonated with so many listeners. So it just leaves me to say a massive, massive thank you, Annette. And I cannot wait to when we can get together again and share so many more pearls of wisdom. Oh, thank you so much. And my love and blessings to you, Pearl, and everything that you're standing for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.